What is up, everyone? We are back for episode 18 of Pass the Torch, and we have an exciting guest today as I chat with one of the best quarterback coaches in the country, Quincy Avery. We talk about his crazy journey in football, sleeping on an air mattress in the locker room to help land his first job at UCLA, coaching some of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, including Deshaun Watson, Jalen Hurts, and Malik Willis. We talk about his coaching philosophy and message to his athletes beyond the field and his approach to building his brand. It was an all-around inspirational conversation. He has an epic journey in sports that I know everyone can learn from. So I hope you guys enjoy, and let's go. Okay, so today Torch Pro welcomes on the legendary quarterback coach and founder of QB Takeover, Quincy Avery. Quincy, how are we, man? Thanks for joining the pod. I'm blessed. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. So I know you have a pretty crazy journey about your, your career in sports and being a quarterback coach. So I want to throw it back to the very beginning. And so where did you grow up and when did football become such a large part of your life? I grew up in South Minneapolis and essentially since the day I was born, football was always something that was really um, big in my life. My dad was a college quarterback. Um, he coached football. He, like um, Basically everything that he did in or around my father kind of revolved around the game of football. Either the lessons that we talked about or how something related to being a quarterback. So that's really all that I've ever known and been around. That's awesome. And then so you went to Morehouse College, right, in Atlanta? Yeah, went to Morehouse College, um, got recruited. They, I mean, I got recruited a few places. I ended up going there um, with the intentions on playing quarterback. Um, did not – I ended up redshirting my freshman year. Then my next year, it was like the number two or something. But they were like, hey, we are down on receivers. We need a guy. I'm like, all right, sure, I'll hop in. Um, played receiver, and then I did – pretty well and I'm like I could go back to quarterback but had a bunch of catches I'm gonna just stay here um so it was it was a cool experience to see it really from both sides yeah you're a team player so I mean my question here is how do you go from college wide out to now being a quarterback coach yeah it's interesting because it's all that I've ever been around was quarterback so I always saw things like a quarterback and I always understood the position really well but I get done playing and I go to UCLA uh, and I'm on that coaching staff with New Heisel and Norm Chow. So two big like quarterback dudes. But then there was two things that happened, which made me think that I should be a private trainer. One, I used to see all these highlight tapes come in. I'd be like, oh, this guy's really, really talented, but he, is either doing like a few small things wrong, which preventing him from being really successful, um, or he doesn't know how to organize highlight, like little things like that. I'm like, I could help guys. There's like a gap in the market in which I could jump in and help out guys in a major way. And then the other thing was I saw Coach Neuheisel train his son. I'm like, I could do that, right? And I was like, I know that I could do the things that he's doing in this individual workout, and he's a college head coach. And I think that I could do this thing better than he's doing it right now. Like, he's a great coach. I'm not sure he's great at doing this. And then, so those are the two big things. And then I would start seeing, like, on YouTube, like, Steve Clarkson, George Whitfield, these guys starting to bubble and blow up. I'm like, these dudes are making a lot of freaking money um, doing something that I think that I could be really good at. Why don't I go explore that dream? Yeah, that's awesome. And so it was kind of a grind for you to get started. And you mentioned your was your first coaching gig at UCLA. Yeah, so how I got that job is a little bit unique. 
right? Um, most people like have a connection and, and my dad was a college coach, so he knew some folks. So I probably could have used that, but I'm more of like a self-sufficient guy. Mm-hmm. So New Heisel gets a job. He'd been there for a year, but they weren't very good. So I'm like, man, I think that I could go coach UCLA. Like I want to be at the Rose Bowl. There's things that you see, like growing up, you're like UCLA is a school. So I got in my car. I packed up everything the day after my college graduation. I drove to UCLA. And I just I sat on the couch. Um, New Heisel walked in. He saw me. He's like, yo, what are you doing here? I'm like, I want a job. He's like, this is college football. And just walked back to his office. He came out that day. I'm still on the couch, right? This happened for the next three days. He'd walk in. I would be there. He'd leave. I'd be there. And every time he'd be confused as to why I was there. And then the final day, he was like, when he walked in, he's like, all right, since you're not going to leave, I'll find some time. We'll talk. So we started talking. He ended up knowing some people that my dad knew, X, Y, Z. He was like, look, I don't have a job for you. But if you want to work here, I'll give you the opportunity to volunteer. So I'm like, cool. I'm not really thinking. I don't have any money, no place to stay, none of these things. I'm volunteering. But if you're volunteering in the college football staff, you're really working full-time plus plus. What I mean by that is I had to be there at 4.30 every morning, leaving at midnight. So rather than getting an apartment or anything like that, I just lived between the locker room and the football office, right? So I'd sleep in the football office, sleep in the locker room. Those would be the two places that I would spend my nights. And then I would just get up and, and work day in and day out. Um, and it gave me a real opportunity to understand a couple of things, like just being able to work hard without knowing what was in front of you, right? Like I didn't know if I'd ever get like a position. Um, the following year I got, ended up getting paid. There wasn't enough to get an apartment. I was working so much. So I was just like, I'm just going to put my head down and work every single day and then see what comes of it. And then um, I decided to pivot and move to Atlanta and become a private quarterback. Wow. I mean, that's truly incredible. And I couldn't imagine. And so for you, you did that for what, like three years at UCLA, right? And I think two and a half. Yeah. Two and, a half. and I feel yeah. like you've taken that kind of mentality that you learned at UCLA, like can't beat hard work. And you put that and implemented that into your career with QB takeover and being this private coach. Cause I was actually, it's funny. You mentioned that kind of one step at a time. I was, I was looking at your Instagram and one of my favorite clips that you posted was instead of looking a hundred yards straight and walking straight and trying to see the end, keep your head down and take that one step at a time. And so I feel like you've implemented a lot of what you learned at UCLA into your, into your career now. Is that, is that true? hundred percent. I feel like, um, we get so caught up in like looking where everybody else is at, things that we think that we should have or where we want to be, that we spend time like focusing on that instead of just putting your head down and like seeing where I am right now and then enjoying that moment and doing the work in that. Um, and I tell people all the time, like some of the best moments that I had were when I was coaching at UCLA, I wasn't making anybody, but I just was enjoying like going to work every day, learning more about football, doing those different things. And, Without those moments, the things that I'm doing now wouldn't be so cool. Yeah, and a lot of the guests that I've talked to in the past, and it's they found their passion, and that's kind of where their determination comes from. And to be able to do what you did and work so hard, you got to be passionate about it. But I guess where does your determination come from? Is it something that you learned from your father when he was playing football, or, or where does that come from for you? No, probably more from my mom than my father. Uh, my mom was a single mom of three kids, uh, and I saw her do a lot of things. I'm like, oh man, that. At the time, you just think, like, this is what you're supposed to do. As I grew older, I came to realize, like, it's not just what you're – like, she was doing more than probably required, right? She just did a little bit extra every single day. 
in that thing, like, I'm like, oh, well, this is what I should be doing. Like, I should not take no for an answer. I'm going to get the things that I want because I said that I want them. And she's a bulldog in that aspect. And um, I think it was really cool to see that going up. Yeah. Did you, was that grind ever too much for you? And did you ever want to, like, quit and get, like, your classic nine-to-five job? Or were you, like, head down one yard at a time always? No, nah, I never really – saw myself as somebody who could work a traditional job or doing those normal things and, and that became more evident to me when I moved back to Atlanta when I moved back to Atlanta all I had was like like maybe a couple thousand dollars when I moved from LA to Atlanta and I spent that time living in my car trying to find guys to train them to be their quarterback instructor and I have a college degree like, I'm relatively smart. I have the ability to communicate well. And, like, I could – there's a lot of things. Like, people always just ask me, like, you want to just do sales? I'm like, no, the thing that I want to do is the thing that I'm doing. And I always told people, like, I think that I'm going to be the best person in the world at this. Right? I, I really thought that from a long time ago. And I think if I would have strayed away from that or if I would have took another job or made it, like, something that I was, like, kind of doing – then I wouldn't be where I am today. It was never of kind, I'm like an all-in type of person. Either I'm doing this thing or I'm not. And I decided like, I'm going to go all in on being the best private quarterback coach that I can be. Everything that I, I'd rather be homeless doing the thing that I want than go get a job and have somebody tell me what to do in order to be comfortable. So um, I never, ever thought about doing anything other than the things that I wanted to do because it wasn't for me. Yep. I love it. And yeah, I, I appreciate the passion. And so when you talk about your, your day-to-day now in Atlanta, you run QB takeover and that's more focused on kind of the uh, youth kind of high school quarterback age group. So I do a couple of things. I have that, which is a large volume of the business. And then we do our NFL training and college training. Mm-hmm. So during the off season, we're working with NFL guys, four to five days, like every single day we're on the football field with pro quarterbacks, trying to help them grow their game, college quarterbacks, and then the young guys as well. Yep, cool. And so what what call, or what or NFL quarterbacks are you working with right now? We got Deshaun Watson, Joshua Dobbs, Jalen Hurts, Trey Lance, Tyrod Taylor, Justin Fields. Uh, I know, oh, Geno Smith. I'm trying to think, that's probably- I'm going to feel bad because I know I'm missing Malik somebody. Willis just got drafted. Malik Willis, yeah, forgot about him. Anthony Brown with the Ravens. Derek King with the Patriots. I'm missing somebody, and I feel bad. But yeah, yeah, but no, that's good enough, and I'm sure they won't take it personally. But, I mean, <laughs> dude, that, that's an incredible roster. And so I guess what was your breakthrough point for you? And, like, when did your name – like, when was Quincy Avery? Like, you got to go work with Quincy if, you're, if your eyes are set on the league. That's – I think – that's difficult. I think that it was probably when Deshaun Watson took off. It's like mm-hmm. when people were like, I have to go train. Like, I think that, and honestly, there's, if you're a black quarterback, honestly, there's going to be one point or another where you're like, I'm going to at least go see what Quincy's talking about. Or I just want to go check that out because I see all the guys there. There's obviously something that he's doing different than other people. I want to go do that. So, it was probably when Deshaun took off. And now it's like, if you're a quarterback in college, like, I will see you at some point. We're going to 
have an opportunity to get together. Yeah, it, it, and you mentioned the black quarterbacks. Like, it's really special to see that, like, the NFL is changing to the way where, like, these black quarterbacks are really taking over. And some of the guys you don't work with and maybe mixed in here, but, like, Mahomes, Lamar, Kyler, Dak, like, Tua, Jalen Hurts, like, they're taking over the game, and it's pretty special to see. Yeah, truly getting opportunities to be the players that they want to be, and it's giving them – giving black quarterbacks a whole other chance to be successful. Yep. Um, and so a question I had for you is like, it seems to me like NFL GMs and round one can never like nail their quarterback pick, right? Like they can't figure out the formula of like what makes a quarterback great at the next level. And I don't know if you have the right answers, but I guess my question for you is like what general characteristics and like attributes go into making a successful quarterback, I guess, both physical and mental. Do you mind if I like swear a bit? Please do. Being a mentally tough motherfucker is the thing that separates these guys from everybody else. And it's so hard to determine that in the pre-draft process. You have no true idea of how mentally tough some of these There's guys who have been on their best high school team, their best college team, one, and they've been successful every single step of the way. And it's hard to – in the NFL, you're not going to be successful all the time. You're going to go through something that's going to be very, very, very difficult. And you are going to have to determine, am I going to be able to persevere through this or am I not? And if you don't have the ability to work through those things, be able to block out the noise, because I don't think enough people understand how toxic it is as a professional quarterback, Twitter, social media. And I know we all say, just turn it off or whatever that. These guys all grew up in a world where this was their day every single day, open up their phone. They see this. And it's how do you respond to that? Like when people are talking shit about you every single day, how are you going to bounce back and be the person that you say you are? How are you going to bounce back and be the special person to respond to all the negative? Yeah, the people who can adapt, right? And I think you've seen more like physically gifted athletes that were drafted in the first round not be successful because they don't have that mental side of the game for sure. There's so many guys who are physically gifted. So many guys that we don't even know. But there's some guys who faced adversity in college, and they just couldn't do it. I know guys who I'm a, I was 100% sure had the talent to be NFL quarterbacks who are not there today, and it's only because of the mental side. I know there's, there's a guy that I work with who threw the ball probably better than anybody. That ever, oh, Well, he's top three in terms of how well he threw the ball. And he's going to be playing in Canada. And it's not because he's not talented enough. It's because he either cared too much about what people thought. Like, all those little things got in the way of him being who he was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so a, a young star right now who we mentioned just got drafted. I think it was third round to the Titans. Was that when Malik got drafted? Yeah, what, makes him, what makes him so special? Because, I mean, he's going to be a great talent, I think, in the league. Yeah, and I think that the reasons teams missed on him in terms of not drafting him, earlier because they didn't see the things on the field that they needed to see to project him in NFL offense. Like they just couldn't, they didn't see like, Oh, he did this, this, and this, and this is what we do on our teams. What I think that they missed is this is a guy who went to Auburn. was a six quarterback when he got there. Then of that season, he was a backup right behind Jared Stidham with the Patriots. Right. right. So he went through all that. Like he battled, battled, battled. All right, cool. Then when it's his ch- chance to be the starter, 
Bo Nix comes in and they just like, hey, we're going to give Bo Nix a job. Don't worry about it. You haven't been doing the things that you were supposed to be doing off the classroom. It wasn't an on the field thing, off the field. You didn't do those things right. So he has to go through all that. He's like, fuck, I've done these things wrong. What do I need to do to fix it? He does everything right the next three years, going from Auburn to Liberty. And we saw who he was in the football field. Not only that, but he changed. So he's went through some shit that a lot of guys have not gone through, not to mention all the things that he went through before in his life where football is very, very important to him, but he knows that there's things that are bigger than football. So he's not going to get caught up in the things that people say or be, or when he does struggle, because he will, he's going to struggle, but he's not going to be broken by those struggles. He's going to be able to bounce back in those moments of adversity and be able to be the guy that he's supposed to be and overcome all that shit. So those guys missed on the guy who has the ability to be one of the most physically gifted quarterbacks in the NFL because they couldn't see past, um, maybe he doesn't have these skills right this second, but he's going to be able to groom into all those different things. Yeah, and you mentioned he fits right into your mold of having the mentally tough side of things. And so, yeah, yeah, go go ahead. No, no, 100%. I was just agreeing. Yeah, and, and did you see uh, Ryan Tannehill, the current quarterback of the Titans, did you see his comments on saying that he doesn't feel the need to mentor Malik? Do you agree with that? I understand it, right? And I'm, I think that we all – and I wasn't as mad about him saying it. Uh, there's a couple ways that he could have meant it, right? He could mean, like, we're in this for a competition, right? Maybe I'm not so good that – Malik needs to be just listening to everything that I say, right? We're here together. We're both NFL quarterbacks. Uh, he could have been saying it like, we're, I'm not his mentor, but if he needs help with anything, I'm here to – like, I don't think that – I didn't take it the same way a lot of people took it. I mean, even if he did mean it like that, all right, yeah, we're competing for a job. You probably should help some guy because that makes you a better teammate. But if you decide not to because we're here to compete and I know that this guy's trying to take my job, I understand that as well. It's a cutthroat business and, and every other, everything else in the league is cutthroat. So I understand. Um, oh, however he meant it, I'm okay with it. Yeah. in the media probably took it out of context for sure. And I, I'm, I agree with you. I think through training camp and whatever, like it's fine. Like you're competing for the starting job. And then I think once week one hits like your team and you got to work together. Um, but yeah, no, I, I get where he's coming from for sure. And so you mentioned a little bit like beyond the field. Right. And so, how much of your coaching and do you care about with your players of put an emphasis on coaching beyond the field? So not just the on field training, but how much do you want to become a mentor to a lot of the guys that you work with um, on a personal level and help them grow as people? I think that one of the things that allow that has allowed me to get to where I am is because of all the off the field stuff. I think all the guys that I work with know that I genuinely care about them as people who they are, the things they have going on in their life. Those things are important to me, and I make it a point to make sure that I'm there for them no matter what the situation is, what they're going through. I'm an ear that they can uh, lean on. So I don't know if I'm a mentor, mentor, more of a big brother, or now working with so many NFL guys who are almost my age, then I'm just a friend. Right, but I want to be able to be there in all those different situations where I can help out as much as I can. 
Yeah, that's probably helped you become different and set yourself out than the other guys out there in your industry. And so for the black athletes you work with and all the turmoil over the last few years, like what, what has your message been to them about standing up and having a voice? Because I know you're very passionate about that, but but what is your message to them? Ben? Yeah, I'm very passionate about it, but I don't necessarily expect anybody else to be. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that you just have to be authentic and whatever you decide, you got to stand on it. And if you like, I'm going to go all in on this, then be willing to face the, not all the repercussions because there could be some, but you also have to be able to speak on what you believe in an educated manner, which I think is also difficult. So just want them to be aware of everything that comes with it because we see, I I see the good in it, but there's people who may disagree with the things that they're saying. You got to be able to stand on what you said because I think that that is the biggest differentiator is having a stance, meaning it and, and being true to that. Yeah. And I appreciate your passion for it. I'm sure, sure your athletes do too. And for you, it, what are some of your most proud moments as a coach? Is it seeing your guy get drafted in the NFL or is it some of that off the steel stuff and like growing as people? A little bit of everything in terms of on the field. I know that everybody has a different pinnacle the people out there see the guy get drafted, the guy win his first start, the guy become a starter in the NFL. But there's other moments that are really big to somebody else, like his first varsity start. Yeah. Right? All those moments at that point in time, that's the biggest thing that this kid can imagine. So I, those things mean as much to me as seeing somebody else reach their dreams because everybody has a different dream that they want to accomplish and they want to get to. And my job is just to help you reach that goal, whatever that goal may be. Yeah, and I think it's good to have perspective that only like less than 1% of people are going to make the NFL and become a quarterback. And so, yeah, that's good perspective to have. And, yeah, and my perspective is probably skewed more than anybody because I see so many yeah. guys actually go to the NFL. But knowing that uh, most of my guys won't. Yep. And I have one, one question before jumping into some rapid fire. And again, I was, I was scrolling through your social media and, and one of my favorite posts of yours, my favorite caption was you said rule of thumb, bring the vibes 100% of the time. Then you just, you're jumping into the water or whatever. So how do you implement that mentality of just like having fun and having a good time and, and bringing good vibes into your coaching strategy? Is that part of your everyday life? Really just part of my everyday life is exactly who I am. Um, I've seen so many guys, so many of my friends, like I've seen a lot of death. I've been in the car with friends who've gotten shot and killed. I've seen all these different things and I know how valuable life is. And I know that it's fleeting and I know that it might not be here tomorrow. And I know that I need to take advantage of every single day because it's, it sounds so cliche, but it's not promised. Um, so I want to live it up and I'm going to live it to the maximum. I'm going to I could be gone tomorrow, but today I'm going to live in a way that I hope is envied. Hell yeah, man. Bring the vibes. Good vibes only. <laughs> I, I love that. I'm going to live by that. Um, and so some rapid fire here. You can do one word, one mm-hmm. one phrase. Take as long as you want. Uh, we'll dive right in, though. So favorite athlete growing up as a kid? Charlie Ward. Who? Charlie Ward. Who's that? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlie Ward. Yeah. Um, and who's Sounds your favorite? Wild, right? Yeah. <laughs> Why is that? He was a quarterback and a basketball player. I thought it was both those things. And he was a first real, like, dynamic dual threat. 
Yeah. Okay. Who is your favorite athlete to watch in current day sports? Any one of my quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now you can't pick one of your quarterbacks for this question. Okay. Who's the greatest quarterback of all time? Aaron Rodgers. Not Tom Brady? We're talking about like most talented or the best? I don't know. It's players? up to you. But yeah, I, I most talented I get... is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Then Dan Marino, then Warren Moon. Yeah. And those guys don't really have that many Super Bowls, but they're not the best team player. Best I think team my, player is Tom Brady. Mahomes is up there for most talented ever, too. Um, but yeah, Tom Brady's, yeah, you're right. That's probably a, that's a fair answer. All right, non football here. Um, who's your favorite music artist? Nipsey. What's your biggest fear? Failure. What's one word that best describes you? Resilient. Hell yeah. So I appreciate the time today, Quincy. One final question to wrap it up on the more inspirational side. And we touched on a lot of great themes today. Um, but if you have one lesson that you've learned throughout your journey in sports and with football, that you could pass along to the next generation to help them accomplish their dreams in everyday life, not just in sports, what would that one theme be? Make sure that your words and your actions are congruent. If there's something that you say you want, make sure you're doing everything in your power to get the thing that you said you wanted. And if you're not willing to do that, don't even vocalize it, right? Because it's not fair to yourself or to others who are respecting your dream for them to try and put energy behind something that you're not putting everything into. Hell yeah. Put your head down one yard at a time. Don't look at the end and, and bring the vibes 100% of the time. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> uh, I appreciate the time, Avery, or Quincy Avery here. And um, yeah, I wish the best of luck to you. I'm going to be rooting for your guys this year uh, in the upcoming NFL season. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Pass the Torch. I had a ton of fun, so I hope you guys did as well. Please hit that subscribe button and don't miss a new episode. Also, you can head to torchpro.com where you can find lots more content with athletes, whether it be video features, docu-series, or other podcasts. I promise you guys will enjoy. Lastly, if you have any interest in becoming a smarter sports fan, you'll want to subscribe to our daily sports newsletter, The Morning Blitz. You can find it all at torchpro.com, and we'll see you next episode.